had a very pleasant good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of JMU Sound Off. I am Jonathan McNamara coming to you from tonight from uh, Steve Brown's, uh, I guess, screens in porch. So we're doing a little uh, literal fireside chat tonight. Um, so thank you to the Browns for hosting us tonight in a very beautiful setting because we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to welcome Matt Transu from JMU Football uh, to give us a behind the scenes look at how the JMU staff is preparing for not only spring football, but also the 2024 season. A lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, we're going to give you a little bit of insight into some of the maybe unheralded heroes that help uh, JMU football make it to game days. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes and there's no one better to talk to um, than Matt about that topic. Then we're going to welcome in another Matt, Matt Josephs from the great team over at ESPN Richmond, um, who I have the pleasure of working with on basically a daily basis with my role with the Red Cross. Uh, there is no one better versed uh, in college basketball then matt josephs uh gonna give us his thoughts on the uh jmu men's basketball season uh and where they stand going into the sunbelt tournament uh this week in pensacola and he give his thoughts on what possibility jmu would have at an at-large um discussion so really excited to have him on and then we're going to look on campus at jmu talking sports jmu a club uh that helps facilitate conversations about athletics on campus at jmu um as always our goal is to highlight um anyone on campus that's doing great work to promote this athletics department We've got three students there um, who do great work in that capacity. We want to shine the light on this club uh, and help grow their membership base, but also grow the conversation about athletics on campus. Uh, but before we get to our discussion, as always, want to thank our sponsors at the Montpelier Collective, uh, as well as Where's Woody. We had a great conversation with Where's Woody last week uh, with Isabella Peterson launching their campaign um, together. So as always, if you want to learn more about Where's Woody, Where's Woody.com, Montpelier Collective, uh, MontpelierCollective.com. And we can't forget our friends at Skyline Financial Partners. Um, Tim Nelson and the crew over there doing great work. If you have questions about your financial journey, um, Tim's team would love to work with you. Um, SkylinefinancialPartners.com. And with that, we'll bring on the other two members of our team who are not able to be here in Richmond with us, um, but have a lot to say tonight. Michael Evangelista, who is fresh off. Michael, where, where was it? Beach day today? Roller coasters? What, what was on the agenda for you down in, in, in Florida? Either way, you're getting some relaxing uh, and some rest and relaxation. Much needed uh, from the post on Instagram. Looks like you're having a good time. Uh, and Taylor Atkins guys um big week for JMU um athletics the Dukes uh men's basketball team clinching the number seat two seed in the Sunbelt tournament uh defeating Coastal Carolina 86-76 finishing the regular season with 28 wins uh a season for the ages for this program uh and all eyes on what will happen next for the men's basketball team in Pensacola um also a big week for JMU women's basketball um clinching the number three seed uh by beating ODU on their senior night uh, 70 to 58. Peyton McDaniel uh, tallied her thousands point, uh, and they will also play on Friday night at 5 p.m. Uh, in the quarterfinals. So big week for basketball. Also want to highlight Jamie Lacrosse uh, with a 21 to nine win over Furman. They're now uh, six and zero on the season, ranked number two in the country, and a possibility that the Dukes will be named number one uh, for the first time in program history tomorrow morning. Uh, big. A weekend for Jamie Baseball, the sweep over Cornell, uh, 7-0 at home for the first time in 20 years for the Jamie Baseball program. Uh, so Coach Eikenberry gets the extension and big things for the baseball program there. Um, so lots going on. I'll start with you, Steve. Just another big week in Jamie Athletics. Um, but all eyes again on the tournament in Pensacola. This is a big week as we are you know, attempting to make our main goal at birth in the NCAA tournament. It's going to start with a game on Saturday night. Saturday night, biggest week for JMU basketball. Um, need some rest. So 28 and three, if the, um, for some reason we don't win it, which I think we will, I think we're going to win the tournament anyway, so it's not going to matter. But if we get left out, we'll be the first team with 28 wins not to get into the tournament. So I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on some rolling, 
um, Saturday night, Sunday night, and then on Monday and winning the whole thing. Um, the women, I just want to comment on that. They, uh, they beat the ever living hell out of ODU on Friday night. If you had a chance to watch that, that was their senior night. They had a full state, they had a full, uh, arena. Um, and those, and we just dominated them played zone for the first time that they've ever played zone, I think, and held them, I think to 25% shooting. Um, yesterday, Bella needs to come on the sound off every weekend. She had five goals yesterday. Not bad. So unbelievable. And they'll be number one tomorrow. So it, it's, it's been a huge, huge week for uh, Jamie sports, but we're about to go into a huge week, both for the women and the men uh, getting ready for the, for the tournament. Awesome. Michael, where's your mind at uh, with the Dukes approaching the tournament in Pensacola? Um, historic run for this team. 28 wins, as we've, we've said a couple times now on the show. Uh, but really a program, just one more team uh, that has captured this uh, momentum wave at JMU Athletics with, with historic performances this year. We saw what football did uh, in the basketball team. Uh, you know, we, we know there's a lot of discussion on what comes next, but it's it's definitely the perfect time to kind of pause and really appreciate what happened this season. Um, it's a record attendance at the Atlantic Union Bank Center. Uh, 28 wins has really re kind of introduced this program to a lot of fans in the JMU athletics landscape um, as, as fans really embrace this program, um, many of which for the first time, uh, because, you know, we've, we've had some really frank conversations about what the basketball program has been in the past. We know about the history of the program uh, with Lefty Darzell and, and some of the things that have happened um, decades ago. But for many JMU fans, it's their first real taste of success. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of Pensacola, I, I'm hailing from the Clearwater Tampa area. So um, just north of that, um, some personal news. We're celebrating one of our anniversaries this weekend. So we've been bopping around a lot, spending a lot of time with family. We, we usually split our time between Florida and Virginia. So uh, we, have, we haven't we have been able to do that last year, taking that opportunity this year to um, really take advantage of, of that opportunity there all around. But in terms of just like basketball, I'll be honest, like, really a lot of good buzz all around. We were at one of the breweries, I think, whenever we played Coastal, they actually had the JMU Coastal game up, which was awesome. We were up at 17 at one point. A little too close there at the end, but we pulled away the win. Um, but it was awesome to see that in, obviously, a, a Florida venue, right, per se. But including myself, brought a lot of new fans back into the fold with just a record-setting season. I don't know if you saw, but I think Blue, Blue Blood Bias on Twitter just named us, I think, the eighth-best athletic program um, among a sea of other Power Five programs all around. So just amazing um, awareness, amazing um, sort of just like natural marketing for the program all around, something to really be proud of. And I think Steve kind of hit on the head. Lacrosse is, I mean, not lacrosse. Yeah, lacrosse is going to be number one tomorrow probably, more than likely. Uh, we've got a new setup with the spring game coming up for football. Just a lot of really awesome, awesome momentum going into the offseason. And finally, Taylor Atkins, I know you're uh, as focused on this basketball program as maybe anybody in the fan base. You, you attended, uh, I believe, if not every home game, the vast majority of them. Uh, where's your mindset going into Pensacola? The team has, I mean, both men's and women's uh, have a great opportunity to go into Pensacola and come out as champions. Um, the women are obviously a little banged up and uh, have had a little bit of a tougher road to get to where they are, but they're still the three seed which is one below the JMU two seed and the men's team is having the best season in program history. So, um, you know, everyone's looking to app state, but I'll say that uh, one thing that did kind of shake out with the brackets is I, I did not want to play Georgia Southern again. And there was a time last week where they were, I believe the 10 seed. Um, and so it was looking like they could potentially have been that quarterfinal matchup for us. Um, they are now, I believe the nine seed. And if they win, they go into play app state, which someone correct me if I'm wrong, I believe app state beat or lost them in overtime. Um, overtime. 
so that that Georgia Southern team is, uh, <laughs> you know, their record is is not good. It's it's one of the worst in the country. But they have given some of the best teams some of the best games this year. I'm glad that they're not on our side of the bracket. Um, you know, everyone's looking at Jamie uh, Jamie App State, but Jamie Troy is a matchup we haven't seen this season. So if those two end up being the semifinal game. And then obviously, you know, what we're all expecting is another JMU App State matchup. Um, two mid-major teams that have attracted a lot of attention around the country. Um, you know, the old saying is it's, it's, it's hard to beat the same team twice in one season. It's almost impossible to beat them three times. So uh, I, I'd say the odds are in our favor a little bit. I, I saw someone post up the betting lines that JMU is currently the, the favorite to win the conference tournament, even with the two losses to App State. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be an exciting time uh, for both teams in Pensacola and I'm excited to get the tournament started. Awesome. And with that, we are going to transition though to our football conversation where we want to bring on um, somebody who we thought was the perfect guest to give us a little bit of insight into what happens behind the scenes uh, for JMU football here in, I can't, we can't even call it an off season because I don't really think there is an off season uh, in the world of college football anymore. But Matt Transu, um, the assistant AD for football operations at JMU. Matt, did I get your title right? Cause I've seen two titles uh, on the website. It, Maybe start off by letting me know what the official title is for you. Yeah. First of all, no, no, no. congratulations yeah. on the promotion. I know. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me on today. Uh, yes, it's uh, Assistant Athletic Director for Football Administration. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, right off the bat, just to, to introduce yourself and your role um, to the fans who, who who may not know exactly what um, your focus is on a day-to-day -day basis for JMU football, um, just give us a little bit of your story, maybe before how you came to JMU, but then also um, a little bit of an overview of your kind of day-to-day -day role and responsibilities in terms of, of managing many different aspects uh, of what happens behind the scenes for JMU football. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I've just been a fan of college football kind of my whole life. I uh, went to college at the University of Tennessee um, and really got my bit first big time exposure uh, with college football there and said, how do I get involved? And so I started out as a uh, you know, a student worker and uh, volunteered my time uh, in recruiting and operations and and from college all the way through kind of just, you know, climbed the ladder slowly but surely at different spots along the way was at Tennessee, Memphis, Virginia Tech, uh, Georgia Southern, um, and now here at JMU for the last two years. Um, got to JMU because I had a great relationship with the previous uh, director of football operations that I replaced that was uh, with uh, Coach Signetti at the time. Um, I was down in South Georgia, Georgia Southern. He and I had great relationships when I was at Virginia Tech, and he just said, hey, I'm going to get out of the business. Would you want to become uh, come up to JMU if you had the opportunity? And I said, absolutely. Um, and that was right as uh, the FCS uh, era was concluding and entering into the FBS era, and I thought it would be a perfect uh, fit for my career to help elevate this program and brand. And uh, it's turned out great thus far. Well, I mean, I love having you on, Matt, because most people don't get to hear all the stuff you do. And you're the, you're really the engine behind what happens with JMU football. So I was going to have you talk about a couple things. But the first one I want to ask you about sure. is some of your new role in scheduling. Can you kind of give give folks a, a little insight into what your one of your new jobs is going to be doing in, in scheduling? Yeah, so uh, a big portion of my job is going to be forward-thinking and future uh, thinking about college football as a whole, but how does JMU fit in that puzzle? And a big part of that is going to be uh, the scheduling uh, aspect of it. Um, 
Kevin White, uh, who is also part of our administration team, was doing scheduling here for a long, long time and really set the foundation uh, for JMU to succeed early out the gate. Um, when you transition, you, you're going to lose games um, due to teams coming off of uh, your schedule and you had to add teams. So he did a fa uh, fantastic job with our schedule the last two years. And I'm just going to be taking uh, the reins from here now and doing hopefully doing the same thing um, and really looking for games out way out in the future. You know, the, the first one as an FCS matchup in 2027. And then there's a lot of games way out in 2030 that we need to uh, secure. So you're really working with uh, other administrators at other schools um, and trying to find what uh, best fits for JMU. But it's a it's a giant chess game and puzzle piece that you're working to put together uh, years down the road. Well, we don't mind trucking down to Knoxville if uh, old Rocky Top wants to have us. So if you, can, <laughs> you can get us down there. We, we'll we'll yeah. bring twenty thousand people down there and have. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be something cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit, but but some behind the scenes stuff with sure. um, Jamie football, and just let people know kind of what goes on with trying to get, you know, the the whole team somewhere. I mean, last year you had what three games in a row on the road, and you had mm -hmm. to go from you know from UVA to Troy and then to Utah. Yep, trying to give a little bit of insight on how you all made that happen, and it was so seamless. Um, I know it that probably not as seamless to you all, but it, it really looks seamless to us. And without you doing what you do. They don't win those three games. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yep. So um, it takes a lot of work and it's not just myself. It's uh, it's an entire support staff that we have built here um, with different departments, whether it's sports medicine and Tyler Webb, who's our head athletic trainer. Um, it's going to be Rob Marshawn, who's uh, our head equipment manager, uh, Casey Pohl, our team dietitian. Um, I use my recruiting staff heavily. So uh, last year it was Andrew Burkett and Maddie Harris. Um, that help out quite a bit into really getting uh, the team from point A to point B. Uh, we travel on average 165 uh, people, uh, including our you know student athletes and support staff and student workers that may be assisting our coaching staff and things like that from all those various areas. And so it, it is a real feat uh, to get the team, uh, you know, to and from. Uh, Harrisonburg and obviously the ultimate goal is to do it as seamlessly as possible in hopes that you know we're aiding the team and the coaching staff into victory so that's the bottom line um we take a lot of as seamlessly as possible in hopes that you know um yeah and so you know we take a lot of pride in that um and um the biggest thing is you know we we treat it kind of like a game day for ourselves and you know as a support staff, we were six and zero on the road last year, which is unbelievable. And that's that's very very hard to do, um, because not only are you working on things that are entirely in your control, there's a lot of things that are outside of our control that you just hope kind of go right uh, along the way to make it a successful trip. Matt, just jumping in here, number one, just piggybacking on Steve. Really appreciate a lot of your work behind the scenes, particularly with like the Alpha Dogs and like really excited to see the impact we can have on and off the field. Um, I remember, and I can't believe it, right? We're, we're in year three of FBS, year three in the Sun Belt. But yeah. I remember very clearly in 2022, under the previous staff, we talked about soon to be this recruiting team, right? We would finally have a recruiting staff together and like, yeah. oh, just watch yeah. out until that happens. It was sort of a running yeah. joke at the time. And I look at this new staff, right? We've got an offensive, defensive, special team analyst. We've got four graduate assistants. 
we've got a director of football ops and also a director of football personnel. I think some of these are relatively new, new. Share with like the fans a little bit about these new roles and also how do you think, what what's the status on the development of a, a full recruiting staff from a personnel standpoint? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's been a uh, meticulous process that people don't realize is ongoing when you transition. So uh, there's a lot of different rules that are in place at the FCS level to make it equitable amongst those schools. And so you have to first and foremost bolster your coaching staff. Uh, and so that's what we did out of year year one and then into year two. Um, we wanted to make sure we were on level playing fields with graduate assistants, analysts, and things like that. Uh, the next phase of that was support staff and how do we maximize uh, positions that would create significant value here at JMU. And so the uh, first things first was recruiting staff and we were able to uh, hire a director of player personnel and a, and a director of on-campus recruiting uh, in that first summer in 2022. Uh, and so you're about 18 months away, not even full two years yet of having a recruiting staff on board here. Um, and they're incredibly instrumental because their jobs are going to help manage the day-to-day -day recruitment cycles um, for the coaching staff so that they can have uh, a little bit more time uh, with our current student athletes when they're in the building and then also have somebody that's while they're scheming it up, whether it's for spring ball or for uh, for the fall season, they have people looking uh, ahead uh, about, um, you know, what what recruiting classes are out there and what 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 needs do we have? Um, so my question is, we talked a little bit pre-show about um, how I worked at JMU and that was the. 07 to 2013 so fcs much smaller budget um the travel was not as it was a little bit more regional but then i went down to utsa when they started their football program and it was conference usa for a reason that conference was all over america we had to fly to a lot of places and uh what i gained an appreciation for there when i traveled with the team is all the details that go into an away trip especially an away trip where you're flying so a lot of people that listen to this are some of the diehards that love to get in the weeds and nerd out on some of the stuff. Can you talk about what an, an away game trip that you're flying to kind of what that week looks like from when the equipment, a truck leaves, mm -hmm. um, when, when, when you guys are taking off, how much catering is, I mean, the catering that's required for the plane, for the hotel, for after the, just walk us through kind of what that timeline looks like on a, general away game trip and just talk about some of the things that maybe folks aren't aware of that have never been on a trip like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes a lot uh, to get um, a whole team out to wherever you're going. So for an example would be uh, shoot, let's just use Utah state last year. That was the hardest trip. So it's, it's got a lot of things involved in it. Right. So um, the first, first things first is you book hotels, uh, usually six to eight months out in advance. So as soon as the schedule gets released, like it did this past Friday, um, we begin working on it with a bunch of our travel partners to help us securing kind of the big pieces of a, of a trip, which is going to be your hotel, your charter flights, your buses, um, so on and so forth. So that's the first and foremost thing that we do. Um, then it's, all right, what do we, what does the schedule look like and, and how do, how do we need to practice here to be successful? Um, on Saturday. So um, that that required us to, to basically have uh, 
you know, shoulder pads and other things that we, we, we would normally truck a couple of days early. We need to have those here. So, um, for that particular trip, we had two truck drivers that drove across the country to get all everything that we needed to the, uh, uh, stadium out there in Utah. Um, and then we flew, uh, we flew out of a different airport. Um, then we traditionally fly out of, uh, flew out of Charlottesville, uh, simply because we had to practice with our shoulder pads and we needed to carry those on underneath the plane. And um, when you charter a flight, you have to meet number of passenger requirements and also weight requirements. And so you're really, you know, fine tuning uh, pen to paper about your your weight to get you across the country to make sure it's successful. Um, and then once you're there, uh, it's obviously managing all the little details between police escorts, buses, and to and from all from the ho airports, a hotel, hotel, the stadium, and then back to the airport. Um, and then there's a, a variety of meals uh, dependent on the kick time. Um, and obviously different things. Fridays are typically the same. And then Saturdays will vary just depending on your kick time, how many meals you have. You can have as little as one meal before the game to as many as four before the game, depending on what time the game is. That particular game, we had four because it was an eight o'clock eastern game um and then you got to fly back across the country um and um you know have a post-game meal and be able to land and we rolled in i think on sunday at 8 a.m i think if i was correct uh from utah so it's it takes a lot uh the whole entire trip i don't sleep a lot of people sleep on the planes and stuff i don't do that i can't do that it's it, it kind of drives me nuts um just because i'm worried about Maybe what if we have to emergency land for whatever reason? Um, and so things like that can occur. Luckily, we haven't had any real significant issues the last couple of years. And I'll add one quick thing. It's not necessarily yeah. a follow up, but there's a lot. You talked about eating on these trips. I mean, you're yeah. eating on the plane. You're eating when the plan leaves. You're eating when you wake up. You're eating after the game. You're eating when you get back on the plane. Yes, it, there's <laughs> there's a lot. Now, obviously, for the student athletes, they are burning the calories. So it's great for them. Right. We practice before we leave. So they get food, blah, blah, blah. I'm not practicing. I'm just kind of running around and I'm not nearly running as fast as they are. So uh, during the season, I probably put on a, a hefty 10 pounds with the amount of food that's just accessible to us. You know, it's a little bit more. And, oh, all right, I'll go get seconds because it's a buffet or what have you. So, yeah. um there is a lot of food uh, involved. So Matt, I wanted to ask you, because you have the unique perspective uh, of being somebody who was on staff uh, with Kurt Signetti and, and the coaches that were previously here, uh, to now being really a critical piece in helping as a part of this transition uh, to this new coaching staff. Just maybe take us behind the scenes about um, about your role from a continuity perspective in, in helping these new coaches um, navigate life in Harrisburg, navigate life um, as a part of a transition where we had uh, you know, some coaches who, who helped as a part of the bowl uh, prep process uh, and then bringing in uh, additional staff members that they came on once that bowl game is passed. I'm sure um, it was an interesting time in the APC in, in Harrisonburg, but also an exciting time uh, as you welcomed in a group of really energetic, positive coaches who um, have a, a really tremendous vision for what they believe this program is going to be going forward. Yeah, it's um, you're right. It's been a very interesting time the last, uh, I guess, three months or so um here in the apc because uh for example obviously when when coach left it it it, it kind of just changes the the dynamic of really how that season went right you're you're 11 and 1 you just had a crushing loss 
uh, to App State, but then you have a great bounce back to to uh, Coastal Carolina, and you're excited about a bowl opportunity. Um, and he ends up taking another job, and there's just mixed mil- uh, feelings amongst the staff. Some are going to go, some are not unsure if they're going. Some do want to go, some don't want to go. Um, players are uh, feel the same way. They have a lot of unknowns. Um, so um, you really got to be um, cognizant of of what people's emotions are and uh you know just try to do a good job every single day because it's it's a very uneasy uh situation to be a part of um but then it's been great uh ever since coach chesney was uh brought on board uh he's he's like exactly what you just said he's very energetic what you see uh on on camera is who he is every single day um and he brings uh, uh an enthusiasm uh, to the building that I think is contagious and um, the players really, really enjoy it. And the, and the coaching staff feeds off of it too, um, which allows everybody to have this po- kind of positive, upbeat mindset. And, and look, it's JMU, like JMU is going to be successful. That's the bottom line. That's the tradition. Um, and, you know, coach Chesney understands the expectations and so do the the new coaches and the players. And uh, we're excited for that opportunity here, uh, you know, come August. Well, let's talk a little spring game. Um, sure. You mentioned, I think, um, in, at least in the pre-show, that there's going to be a little bit of a difference. I'll let you kind of explain what, what you guys want to do for the spring game this year, and then we can I'll maybe ask you a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, yep. So spring game is going to be April 20th at 2.30 uh, p.m. Uh, we're hoping for great weather, of course. And, uh, you know, typically the spring game is kind of a, a, a glorified practice, but I think what Coach Chesney wants to bring to the table is a little bit more – than that. I think he wants to bring more of a game-like atmosphere. Um, he wants to have some um, what he calls compete periods where we're going to do some things that that really kind of challenge our student athletes, but also provide a little bit of entertainment to our fan base, um, whether that's, you know, wide receiver, DB one-on-ones, uh, some, you know, football situational stuff, whether it's one minute, two minute, um, you know, you know, going into the red zone, uh, you know, minus three points, that kind of stuff. And I think um, really we want to bring we want to we want to allow Coach Chesney and the new student athletes that we have here on board feel what uh, Bridgeport Stadium is all about. And I think you know, bring a friend, bring a, bring somebody from uh, school, bring uh, somebody from work. That if you're you're traveling in, we we want to bring uh, the energy to Bridgeport Stadium on uh, April twentieth. So. Um, we're looking for a, a large crowd. We're hoping uh, to have the band out there ourselves and, and really get some positive um, energy and get get it as close to game day as possible for for not only Coach Chesney, but also our student athletes. So you guys coming out with the regular entrance and you want us to bring streamers and you want 25,000 people for the spring game. I'm yeah. Afraid. I mean, if, shoot, if we got 25,000 people to the spring game, that would be unbelievable. Um, but yes, bring your streamers. Uh, we will have team entrances. We will have some entertainment just like we do on a regular game day. Um, we're, we're working through those things, but uh, we, we want to make it as close as possible for not only coach, but also our student athletes. Um, and make this thing as uh, as solid as it can be for and and have some fun in the spring for you know two hours two and a half hours whatever it may be let let's let's make it an enjoyable event and and hopefully kick it off for for this to be something big for years to come. 
All right, JMU, you're hearing it. You need to bring a bunch of beer. So make sure you guys start ordering now. <laughs> I'm going to bring two cases and a bunch of liquor, and we're going to tailgate. So if you're in the tailgate lot, we're going to have a blast uh, before the game. So it's going to be just like we do it for the regular game. Um, and I'm bringing a boatload of streamers. So JMU Nation, let's bring 25,000 people to this game. Let's show all these folks how this works, and the streamers will fly on April the 20th. Let's go. Love that. I was going to say to piggyback on that, uh, Matt, from like a recruiting aspect, there's been a lot of like rumors around signing days even being pulled up, especially with the transfer portal. Like we might even have signing days sooner. So I imagine like high school recruiting commits, probably going to want to see that early in the process than ever before. Talk to us a little bit about the implication, right, for like the spring game and how important it is for you guys from a recruiting aspect. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the the beauties of JMU – and one of our selling points is our game day atmosphere, right? It is uh, from a G5 standpoint, it is probably top five in the country. It is definitely number one in the Sun Belt, And um, so you're going to have uh, a, a really great turnout for those games. And that's what we like to sell. And so uh, spring game is a big deal for us uh, in terms of recruiting. We're, we're going to have a lot of prospects here from not only this next class that will sign, but we'll have some younger guys uh, in attendance as well. Um, spring game allows us to have a little bit more actually recruits on campus, uh, mm-hmm. than we do for a regular game, just because we're, um, you know, allotted to a certain amount of seats in the stands on a normal game day. Um, and so there'll be a little bit more, f- uh, freedom with that, obviously for a spring game. So it will be a big, big event for us and, and we'll pretty, pretty much kick off the spring recruitment season for us. Uh, cause soon after that, our coaches will go on the road. And they'll go to various high schools amongst the state um, and in the surrounding areas. And then uh, we'll, get, we'll roll into the summer camp cycle, um, getting guys on campus, seeing them work out, um, that sort of thing, until we get into the football season where it's uh, official visits and, and things like that. And I was going to say, I was like, do you typically have like official visits on on spring day games or do you have portal ca- guys come on campus? Yeah. Normal? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, – you used to not uh, have that stuff, but now that the calendar has been sped up over the last couple of years, you definitely do. Um, your official visits are allowed to start in mid-April and, and can go all the way through uh, basically the end of June. And so um, you're going to have people want to visit and it's going to be a little bit more exclusive uh, at our level. It's going to be a quarterback or a couple positions that sure. want to make a decision before they're, senior high school season starts um but you know it's going to be uh there's going to be a definite chance for that yeah well i wanted to shift gears a little bit and and hit you with a little bit of a fun question you know you mentioned like the utah state game being one of the harder games to go to and and Mm -hmm. that ridiculous like road schedule this past fall but you've been with the team for a while give us a little bit about the inside scoop like what are some mannerisms or maybe things you've seen with the players that you know man these guys are dialed in right like is it yeah. like a linebacker is a little bit more vocal or maybe like the quarterbacks are, are yapping back and forth with the defense a little bit more like how do you yeah. know when the guys are really dialed in during game day yeah on game day it's hard to tell uh there's there is definitely a focus when it comes to um like the pre-game meal um aspect of it that you can just tell like all right these guys are ready to go today um, where everybody's really, really focused and locked in and uh, and ready to work. Uh, what's been great about the last 
uh, two years is those guys had a lot of pride in how they worked every single day. And so you can feel it on a Tuesday practice. There was, there was very seldom that we ever had a bad practice day. I mean, we may have had one or two that coach Signetti at the time may have mentioned in a presser to kind of be a point of emphasis because the kids watch that stuff as well. And um, he likes to kind of use the media to call them out. That's an old Nick Saban ism that uh, he used uh, uh, quite a bit at times. And, um, you know, really, I felt like our team was really locked in the last couple of years. And, and, and I, and I feel that sense of energy even right now in the winter se season. Uh, I know we're a long, long ways from the, from football, but there's just a great sense of, um, uh, competitiveness that we've got going on and guys willing to do the work that it takes. And I think that's, uh, that's going to prove dividends down the road here in the next several months. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to wrap up with kind of a, a another kind of fan centric question. And Steve touched on this a little bit earlier when he was talking about um, your role in scheduling. And, you know, every year, uh, you know, one fan base is saying, oh, you know, we would schedule these people, but they don't want to they don't want to have any piece of us. And then the other fan group is saying, oh, no, you you don't want to schedule them. So kind of maybe address some of those Internet rumors. Is it difficult to get JMU on another team's schedule? Um, and if it's um, you know, what are some of the obstacles and challenges when it comes to scheduling teams that you want to get get on the schedule? Yeah, no, it. That stuff that you hear on the internet is absolutely true. Um, JMU is is hard to get people to play play us. It, it we've uh, the beauty of, about of our success is that we're very very successful. But the bad part of it is nobody wants to play us. So um, you know that's going to be the the fine art of how do you navigate this landscape of uh, ever changing college football and and get some you know serious opponents here on on campus. That would be. That's the that's the number one goal, um, but it's going to be a lot harder uh, than people realize to do, um, simply because teams don't want to travel uh, to a place that's you know fifty five and three on you know at home that's uh, at the G five level and definitely don't want to be considered uh, you know being upset by JMU so to speak. So um, it makes it difficult, but but that stuff is true. It, it is out there. It, it's hard. You got to navigate it and, and and try to do what's best. And also, you know, kind of keep an alignment that, you know, JMU, uh, the ultimate goal is to be one of these 12 or 14 or 16 playoff teams that they keep talking about here the next couple of years. And uh, so how do we find a, a strength of schedule that works best for us to help us navigate and get the get us there as well? Awesome. Well, Matt, uh, we want to let you get back to your evening. And I know your work never stops in the the, the nonstop world of college athletics. But um, again, our goal tonight was to not only highlight the important work that you do um, in concert with this great coaching staff, but to uh, appreciate, again, the, the work of the student assistants, the grad assistants, the um, training staff, uh, the equipment staff who, who literally um, put in four hours and it's probably hard to really truly communicate on um, what they're doing in this season. They do it win loss. They do it rain shine. Um, they do it regardless of whatever's circling around the program. These professionals uh, really do yeoman's work uh, to make sure that everyone is successful. Everyone's healthy uh, and everybody's able to put their best foot forward. So please on behalf of not only the, the podcast and us as hosts, um, but, but the entire fan base, please thank your staff because um, it's not something we can say enough because it, it, 
it, there's a lot of uh, demands on all of you in the college athletics world, uh, especially in this landscape that continues to shift on a daily basis. Um, so we just know that we appreciate it. Uh, we're just grateful for you giving us something to talk about, uh, but also something to uh, maybe give us the escape that we get from life uh, during these Saturdays in the fall. Uh, and just know it's greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. You know, I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate everything you're doing for uh, JMU and building the brand um, from a media standpoint. So thank you again for the opportunity and look forward to being on here soon. Awesome. Thanks, Matt, and go Dukes. And, and with that, we'll we'll let you get back. Uh, but we are going to shift gears now to a discussion on the men's basketball and women's basketball tournaments that are coming up this week in Pensacola. Uh, and when we had our discussion last week, we, we kind of brainstormed as a team um, who in Virginia would be the best person to kind of give fans uh, a look at what JMU teams could be expecting to see in Pensacola. Uh, and one name popped to the top of our list, and that was Matt Josephs from ESPN Richmond. Um, so, Matt, thanks for, for joining us as a part of our Sunday discussion uh matt just uh introduce your role at espn richmond i know it shifted um over the years and in, in, in what you do from a daily basis for covering but for fans who may not be in the richmond area uh before we get to the basketball discussion just wanted to give you a chance to um to kind of talk about your background a little bit uh, of why we think you're such a a good fit to have this discussion uh i mean i've been i am the uh, three to four host on espn richmond here uh 1061 fm for those in the area who want to listen on their uh, radio dials and i i guess one of the reasons why is because i'm the i'm the jmu guy on the station widely considered uh the james madison guy on the station during football season i would have uh you know player or coach on every week and talk them up as much as i can talk about them in any national radio appearance i have so so naturally uh, you as one of our listeners uh, and uh, some of you others who are listening to the show you know that i'm the jmu guy so why not have me on the show? So, so Matt, uh, from your perspective, just as, as somebody, and I know um, for as somebody who listens to your show on a regular basis, you, you've had some some really positive things to say about this program and and really high thoughts about what uh, Mark Byington and this team has done here in, in uh, 23-24. Um, how have you viewed this season for this team? Um, obviously, 28-3, it's a historic season for JMU basketball, um, but what they've done in the Sun Belt, uh, positioning them for this tournament run. Um, just where do you see this team going into the tournament? Obviously, 10 wins in a row, um, but how are you looking at them and maybe placing the odds on on? them in terms of um, your likelihood of seeing them uh, succeed in this tournament uh, and what comes next. So I heard you guys talking a little bit earlier in the show. I am also glad that Georgia Southern's on, you know, not the, the, an early opponent potentially because Georgia Southern scares me as well. Um, their offense is just is really good. And if they decide to play any sort of defense, they would be a really tough opponent. Now, how they would do against Appalachian State, I don't necessarily know. Uh, obviously, Appalachian State is is probably the best team in the conference. Um, you know, it's, it's two different questions. Do I think that JMU should get in the tournament? Yes, I 100% think I do. But I'm also a mid-major guy. I think that the mid majors get shortchanged. Look at the NIT rules that have just been changed. I, I think that's been ridiculous. And, you know, I even had coach Byington on my show and asked him about the NIT rules. And he gave the answer that pretty much everybody has, has given me and that the rules are terrible and that the, the mid majors should belong in the NIT as much as the NCAA tournament. Um, unfortunately, I think all those quad four wins, 20 quad four wins, six quad three wins. I think that the committee is going to look at that and say, well, JMU benefited from a really easy schedule. And for as good as the Sun Belt was to them in football, it's not as good to them in basketball. I do like the Mac challenge. Obviously, getting Akron late in the season at home was nice. It's a nice little boost, uh, but I don't. It's not enough of a boost. So I think it's it's win and in and not win. And unfortunately, it's a it's a JM it's a NIT road game most likely, which is even worse. Yeah. So thanks for being on. I, I listen to your show every day. So it's um, it's wonderful, and I, I love how much you uh, 
you have the JMU folks on, so it's um, and I listen to the rest of it. I think the rest of the the station is is very good. So for the folks that are listening to our podcast, you should give it a listen because they do a really nice job on sports all around all around Virginia. And I know a lot of our fans are like, well, I don't care. Well, you should care. You should care what's going on in Blacksburg and care what's going on in Charlottesville, um, and in ODU and things. You know, it's it's worth listening. Uh, let me ask you about some betting lines because um, I'm interested kind of on the betting side of this um, for JMU and you know, what, what is the line looking like for you? Are you looking further out in the Sunbelt tournament and kind of where they are? And I know they're favored to win it, which I'm kind of surprised with App State being number one, but what are you looking at in terms of the betting side of it? Well, yeah. And, and obviously I, I, much like everybody else, very frustrated. We can't bet on it because obviously the state has decided to take that away from us. So if you have an offshore account, wink, wink, you can certainly get involved uh, in this sort of thing. And, and you kind of look at the lines and, and you're right. Uh, you know, I'm looking at FanDuel. They're plus 140, which is a really good number. Uh, Caesars, it's plus 115. Uh, so there are a lot of people who believe that they're going to win the tournament, which I guess I'm thinking if I have to think of the, uh, the, the mind of an odds maker, it's hard to beat a team three times. So obviously they're saying, look, JMU's had a really good season. JMU has the best win of anybody in the Sun Belt. They lost twice to, to Appalachian State. They can't lose a third time to Appalachian State. And maybe they're accounting for Georgia Southern as a team. If they win their game, maybe they knock off App State and clears the path up a little bit for JMU. But yes, they are the odds on favorite here. Uh, I'll be waiting. 2025 apparently is when we might be able to bet on the state schools. So that's when I'll probably be able to put some money down on the Dukes. And uh, certainly amongst the, the legal books, that's for sure. Well, my offshore accounts, so I'm going to take care of that. And I'm already, I'm already putting down something on JMU to win the Sun Belt. And then I got us as an 11 seed going into the NCAA tournament facing Richmond. That's what I got us facing in the second round in the game, second game of the first uh, of the first round. So that's what I've got us doing. Uh, I mean, Richmond, obviously, in the same boat as you guys, they would need to win the A-10 tournament to get in uh, to the NCAA tournament. And it's funny because, you know, as well as a listener, I do a top six uh, in the state of Virginia. And uh, I took a little bit of flack because I had JMU as the best team in the state. Um, I do have Richmond very close behind them. But I just think what JMU has been able to do, um, you know, certainly the schedule didn't help them. You know, four straight road games. Uh, They hadn't been back to Harrisonburg since, uh, you know, the start of that road trip. So I think they've overcome some adversity. And I think they are the best team in the state, which is clearly it's a down year for the state because usually we're talking tech. Usually we're talking Virginia. Virginia can't score over 50 points. So to me, JMU's the best team in the state. We, we should clip that, by the way, and make make Matt make it even louder. Right. Jamie being the best team in the state. Love that. Matt, thanks for hopping on with us. Um, really, really great to see you here. And I just love like the exposure that we're getting um, from the state capital and such. I'm a big X's and O's guy. I played basketball growing up. And um, the App State, two losses, right, really sting. You add that to the football loss as well. Um, from your perspective, right, you've probably seen both games that we've lost uh, away at home. What's what's What do you see from a matchup perspective has been holding James Madison back from coming out with the W, at least for one of those games? Well, I, I think it's App State's defense, uh, certainly. I mean, it's funny because you look at the two games and they're two different games. And it's funny because, you know, JMU wants to run and App State is okay playing at a, you know, standard tempo. If you look at the Kempom numbers, uh, Appalachian State is about average. They average about 67 and a half possessions a game and, and the average for the nation is 67.9. So you would have figured the game in Harrisonburg would have been a whole lot higher scoring and the game in Boone would not have been, but that was not the case. Uh, obviously, the 59-55 game in 
in Harrisonburg, it was it was such a fast start for James uh, for Appalachian State. You know, twenty one to ten to start things out, and then you kind of wonder like you know once they get that momentum and then they can start playing defense. That was what we kind of saw in Harrisonburg, and and it was just hard for JMU to get back there. And then you know you look at the game in Boone, and 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 we see a little bit of a slow start, and both teams kind of that last ten minutes starting to score a lot, but JMU just wasn't getting the stops on defense. So it was more so Appalachian State's defense in Harrisonburg and JMU's lack of defense, I think, in Boone that kind of did them in. That's why I kind of figure like if they play that third game, you know, it'll be interesting to see which style kinds of wins out because now you're going to a neutral court. There won't be a lot of fans behind either team. I'm sure both teams will bring a lot of fans, but it's not going to be Harrisonburg. It's not going to be Boone. And so we may get a truer sense as to who is the better team because they're going to be playing on a neutral court. Matt, thank you for joining us. And I, I, you know, the guys will give me a hard time because I'm kind of the basketball guy uh, on here. And so I have a few questions for you. Um, I'm going to give you a very Homer argument because I do think if you put me on a debate stage, I could argue either side of why James you should or shouldn't be in. But I'm going to give you the, the, the most purple tinted Homer argument and then would love for you to kind of give your feedback on the other side of that argument. So if you told most JMU fans at the end of the season, you'd be 28 and three, have 28 wins and every team that's ever had 28 wins has gone to the tournament. Um, you have a win over Michigan state and yes, despite a, a soft strength of schedule, uh, you're, top 10 I believe you drop down to 11th in scoring margin so you're not squeaking by in these games for most JMU fans this is kind of one of those uh, you know why shouldn't JMU be in this tournament given those statistics so I'd love to hear the other side of that argument I mean, it's tough because obviously I, I agree that they, they should be in. The, the problem is they didn't take advantage of these last couple road games. I mean, Georgia State's not a very good team. You only won by six. Coastal Carolina, you only won by 10. And, you know, the more that I've talked to all the bracketologists who I've had on my show, it's the margin of victory. And yes, you're right. They were, you know, top 10 or whatever it is for margin of victory. But, you know, that's these last couple of games, they didn't take advantage of it. They, they needed to win these games by 20 points because they go off the Ken Palm number. They go off the the Vegas point spreads, and I don't agree with it. I think the net is highly faulty. I, I, you know, we're seeing a team like Wake Forest, who only has one or two quad one wins. They're in the twenties, and then we see JMU, who has a lot more wins. They're in the fifties. So I, I just don't necessarily understand it. I think the NCAA keeps it as ambiguous as possible because they don't want people to try and figure it out. But I, my case is. JMU had their chances to kind of continue that margin of victory thing these last couple of games, and they just didn't do it, and that's going to hurt them. I don't agree with that, but I think that's the problem as to why they're in the 50s as opposed to the you know the low 40s, you know, 49 or 48. And would you would would you say that our our stock kind of goes up if if we have a strong quarterfinal victory, double digits? We have a strong semi victory, uh, semifinal victory of double digits, and then we go into that App State game, and it's another battle to the end they lose by a couple points you know does 30 and four with a strong showing in the postseason tournament although you've lost three times to a team that's not in the tournament well i'm sorry they wouldn't have been in the tournament had they not won the championship does that carry any weight in your opinion I think you you the scenario plays out where you have to root for no bid stealers. So pretty much you need the Indiana States uh, to win the Missouri Valley, and if they don't win it, then you know Drake. Um, you need Gonzaga and St. Mary's to be the championship game in the WCC, so that way nobody steals any bids. I, I think it's a long road for JMU anyway, unfortunately. But I think that it gets even longer if there are the bid stealers. If somebody other than Dayton wins the Atlantic Ten, you know, if uh, somebody has a really hot ACC tournament or 
something like that. So I think JMU can maybe, if they lose in the championship game, maybe get in if everything else plays the form and maybe some of the other bubble teams who don't belong in there anyway uh, lose early in their conference tournaments. So let me move on to a topic that I know a lot of JMU fans don't even want to talk about, but it's a realistic possibility. And I believe that if it is the fate of our postseason that we do end up in the NIT, um, I think there's some good possibilities there as well, because as you've talked about, you know, this could be an NIT tournament that have both UVA and Virginia Tech and as well as, uh, you know, a Richmond team potentially. So you could have a, a heavy Virginia presence in the IT, but a lot of the rules have changed with the NIT this year. I know some people were vaguely familiar with the old NIT rules and don't know anything about the new NIT rules. So kind of go over what does the new NIT look like? And then also, you know, what is a perfect scenario NIT situation for, for JMU as it relates to other teams around the state? So unfortunately, what the NIT has done in their lack of infinite wisdom is they've decided to hand out two bids to all the Power Fives. And not only are they getting um, uh, bids, they're getting home games. So that means if the top five ACC schools get in, teams six and seven, Get in no matter what, pretty much. And so the end, they're going to get home games. So maybe you get an opportunity to go to Virginia. Uh, I'll be interested to see because a lot of the, the schools in the state are not going to be ranked very high seed-wise. And I would expect if JMU gets into the NIT, which we're hoping doesn't happen, they're going to be like a five or a six. The problem is like a Virginia might not be a three or a four. So I don't know where they would necessarily be. I know that if uh, JMU does make the NIT, they'd want to basically get as many state opponents um, as they possibly can. So they could just beat them and, and kind of end the debate here. By the way, also, this was a really bad year to play ODU three times because ODU is bad and not like bad, bad, but like really, really, really bad. So getting them a third time in the non-conference just didn't help. And so, We'll see. I mean, I would think JMU will get a five maybe in the NIT only because all those power five schools ahead of them are going to get a higher rank because they get a home game. But I know that's not what you want to hear. And we're going to only project positive feelings. But I could see JMU getting a five and maybe playing Virginia if the scenario breaks out right. Well, real quick, even to the point about Old Dominion, um, you know, you know, that game at Kent State early in the season was like that was going to be a big win. And it turned out not to be um, Buffalo. When we scheduled Buffalo, they were coming off a MAC championship. And now they're one of the worst teams in the country. So as you go down that out of conference schedule, a lot of the teams that we hoped would be some of the teams to pull our resume up. They just haven't had the season that we were hoping for. And thus, uh, we're in the position that we're in. Yeah, and Radford, what Radford being as bad, like, you know, usually Radford's good enough to be, you know, a 17, 18 win team. They're not as good. Southern Illinois has been, you know, is, is kind of one of those mediocre type uh, Missouri Valley teams. Fresno State doesn't help you very much out of the Mountain West. So I, I understand the scheduling. And that's the hard part, as I heard you speak about with your last guest, is that, you know, nobody wants to play JMU. And them winning at Michigan State is not going to help them at all because now those teams are not even going to let them come to their building because they don't want to lose at home. Well, uh, Matt, I'm going to end on, on one kind of higher level question, just with, with a kind of an ever-changing landscape of college athletics. Um, this has been arguably the most successful year in Jamie Athletics history. I mean, from the success that the football program had, uh, getting college game day for a third time, um, multiple programs that have wins over top five programs for our basketball team, um, our baseball team knocking off a top five team, uh, obviously our lacrosse program, uh, number one in the country. How have you just seen the growth uh, of this athletics department as somebody who's covered it um, 
you know, since your time, I don't know how many years you're at ESPN Richmond now, but it feels like it's been uh, a number now over the years as, as I, I lose track of time post COVID. I don't know what year it is anymore. Um, but how have you viewed this, this program's transition? And now with Jeff Bourne, um, uh, obviously only in his last uh, couple of weeks on campus at JMU, just um, where this athletics department is now. And, and in, as we go towards this transition to new leadership, um, really well positioned for continued success over the long haul. Well, I think you just mentioned it. I think it's Jeff Bourne. I mean, being able to do what he has done for this program. I mean, look, when they came up and, and made the move from the FCS, you know, potentially there was probably some other conferences and, and maybe they could have gone to Conference USA, maybe the MAC. I, I'm glad they went to the Sun Belt because the Sun Belt is doing everything right. I've always said, you know, when it comes especially to football, like Sun Belt is just doing everything correctly. They're always on TV. You know, they have those midweek games, which are extra exposure for the program. So choosing the Sun Belt and kind of getting in there with Old Dominion, I think was a really good thing. And then I got to give credit to the fans and the alumni because they are the ones who keep the energy up for all these programs. And they are the ones who show up to the new buildings. And they are the reason why you get a new building. If you're a program that struggles at times with attendance, you're not going to get a new building. You're not going to get new facilities. You're not going to get a new conference, you know, with all the attendance requirements and things like that. So it's the fans and it's the alumni. And then I've got to also give the staff of uh, the, you know, the athletic uh, department, the uh, communications department. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I have as many JMU guests as I do is because they're, they're, wonderful athletics communications department works with me and gets them on, you know, during football season, we rotated a player, we rotated the play-by-play guy, we rotated the coach. And so every week, um, you know, we had somebody on and me broadcasting to whoever was listening gives more people a reason to go check out James Madison, because I'll say this, the two fan bases that follow us the most and the ones that I require the hashtags for on Twitter JMU and VCU. I mean, it's almost like all the JMU fans and VCU fans, when you put that hashtag up there, they're listening to that interview. They're tuning into that radio station. They're, you know, doing that giveaway uh, and things like that. So I give credit to Jeff Bourne and I give credit to the fans and the alumni for giving um, the NCAA the opportunity to give all these things to the school because of the support and love they get from them. Well, Matt, uh, seriously, I just want to one last time say um, how much I appreciate what you all do at ESPN Richmond. You, you you focus on local sports, you do it the right way, uh, and you do it with a with class and also just a real openness to to giving different voices to the conversation and, and in the changing media landscape. Uh, I know you all are doing more than you ever probably envisioned that you would do in the past, uh, and you've continued to to maintain an incredible set of programs on your station. And just know, uh, as somebody who works with you in different capacities, uh, it's appreciated and it's also noticed. Uh, on a daily basis, the level of professionalism you all do uh, to your crafts. And, and there's no one better at having these types of conversations than you. So just know uh, it's valued as a listener, but also as a, as a host who was able to get you on and, and share your perspectives tonight. So uh, as always, thank you for what you do. And we'll be listening. I know your coverage. Uh, maybe one last thing. Yeah, give uh, fans of the Richmond or what you guys are going to be talking about this week uh, and maybe some of your plans uh, for your coverage across the Virginia sports landscape as all these teams head into their tournaments. Yeah, of course, we'll be covering the Sun Belt. I'll, as soon as we get off, I will go hit up the athletics department, see who I can get this week to uh, have on my show. And certainly we'll touch on the Sun Belt, the last week of the regular season for the A-10, the ACC. And Bob Black, one of the other hosts on our station, he'll be going up to the A-10 tournament. I'll be heading to the ACC. Pensacola is just a little bit out of the station's budget or else I would have gone there. I, I'd much rather be in Florida than Washington, D.C. Uh, but certainly we'll be doing a lot of coverage. And, uh, you know, if I can talk to all these bracketologists, tell them to put JMU up at least in the first four out next four out maybe we can get a little help there as well 
Awesome. Well, I'm excited just in my role at the Red Cross to be actually sponsoring your March Madness coverage uh, this month. I actually just uh, recorded the PSA promotional ad that's going to be running on your stations the next week or so. So um, again, thanks again, Matt. We'll, we'll talk to you soon and we'll be listening uh, to all your coverage as you go throughout the next month. Uh, the best time in the sports landscape is March Madness. We all love it. Uh, and you're going to give us a lot to talk about and a lot to uh, really be thinking about, especially for those of us who like to to put a little on the uh, on these games over the weeks to come. And, and Steve's offshore account, we'll, we'll see how much we can get some good action based on your advice as well. So thanks again, Matt. Sounds good. And uh, go Dukes. All right, go Dukes. Talk to you soon. And with that, we're going to transition into our final segment of the evening. Um, as always, again, we want to highlight uh, the various things that are happening on campus around athletics. Uh, and there is a great group on campus that really helps to facilitate uh, conversations on a weekly basis about athletics. And we wanted to shine some light on their work uh, to hopefully get more people talking about athletics on, on campus at James Madison University. And that's the team from Talking Sports JMU, um, Connor Harris, Japson Lobaker, and Johnny Kamer. Guys, um, thanks for spending some of your Sunday night with us. Uh, as you've been able to listen to a really great conversation uh, talking sports about JMU tonight here on our platform. Um, so introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your club does on campus uh, and how students who may be listening to this program uh, can get involved in the discussion. Yeah, so uh, my name's Johnny Kamer. I'm the president of Talking Sports, and the club is as simple as it sounds. We literally get in a room and talk and debate sports for about an hour, seven, eight o'clock on Wednesdays at the Union 405. Um, anyone is welcome to join. It's There's no rush process or initiation or anything like that. Just come up, give your takes. And there's usually a couple topics that we'll go through each week. And sometimes we'll play like little games like cahoots that surround sports. Uh, it'll be some topics are JMU related, some are professional related, but it's just a really good time. And as simple as it sounds talking sports it's great so so as a club that that does talk sports on, on a daily basis outside of just your meetings uh, and then what you do in your formal settings what has this year been like for you as students we, we've talked in a lot of previous episodes for for many of us this type of success was not commonplace uh when we were students at jmu uh obviously i was a student during the time when jmu won their first national championship in football uh but the three years prior my freshman sophomore and junior year um we also talked about some of the bartering that took place to try to get students to walk across the the road from eagle hall to make it to a game let alone selling out a 25,000 seat venue like we do today for football. Um, so the growth has really been meteoric across all of our programs. Um, so for as students who's lived this kind of unprecedented era of success, what has it been like and, and how has that led to uh, the formation of clubs like yours that are really taking advantage of the fact that there's um, now this renewed interest in JMU athletics, but also this this pride and passion as students now see, um, rightfully so, JMU at the top of the Virginia sports landscape, um, really in, in multiple sports, not just the marquee ones, but the, the sports like lacrosse and softball uh, who continue to have these incredible runs and, and garner national attention. Yeah, so for me personally, it's been awesome to witness this JMU success. I mean, like getting game day was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. All my friends at other schools are completely jealous. Uh we have like tailgates um, before every football game, and those were an absolute blast. Then we go to a game, usually win a game, and it's a pretty good time. I don't know about y'all, but yes. Yeah. Oh, you go. Yeah, it's definitely been a nice change from my freshman year. We were blowing out teams by 50. I think just playing a level up in the Sun Belt has got a lot of students more engaged with the games. Now, a lot of them are actually competitive games, and it's sort of recognizable teams. And I think you can really feel that the student body is getting more and more engaged as more and more success is happening. Yeah, I've been here since 2021. I'm a junior now. And just seeing the growth of 
engagement and attendance for each game. It's been incredible to see. And that, first of all, goes back to the student athletes for putting an incredible product on display for us. But it's just been absolutely wild to see the increased media coverage uh, going through a whole transition period, having multiple upsets. It's just been incredible to see. How many do you have in the club at this point? So I would say in the group me, there's about 40 to 60 people and give or take any meeting about 20 to 25 people show up. And uh, we started back in 2021, my sophomore year. And so it's been really cool to see it just rise out of nowhere because the first meeting we had like two people. So um, yeah, it's, it's a really fun club. I really enjoy running it and uh, yeah. Can you guys, do you guys push attendance to different events or do you mainly just talk more about sports or is it kind of anything that you want? Yeah, so we have other events, like sometimes we'll get together for JMU games, NFL draft, stuff like that. Um, I don't like chart attendance just because I want this club to be just as relaxed as possible. Um, Like if you have a test or something, I don't want you to come to our club just to and potentially do worse on your test, go study for your tests. I just want this to be a fun experience for everyone to come and talk and enjoy sports. Well, if you're of age, if you're of age and you come to the spring game, I've got a bunch of beer and a bunch of liquor <laughs> that I'm pretty happy to sit, share with any of the students. 21 and older. 21, 21 and older. Said, Disclaimer. If you're, if you're of age. If the ABC is listening. Correct. Of age. I will only make sure that we're serving people that are of age, but you can bring those 60 folks in your club, have them come by and then have them come into the game because I, I want to pack that game out. So, we want to help you guys out, and I think it's wonderful you're doing this club. This is a blast. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. I'm sure there will be plenty of members that will take you up on that offer, and uh, I appreciate that. Steve's going to Costco. Plug in real quick. I mean, we just we just talked about, like, uh, skipping a club for, for academics, man. JMU must have changed over the years since I've been <laughs> <laughs> Like, wow. Just kidding, just kidding. Well, awesome to have you guys on. Um, really cool to just have like the pulse on the ground um, at at JMU. Uh, I'm a 2012 grad. Um, you know, t- wow, 12 years ago, graduated. Uh, p- pretty nuts. Enjoy your time there. Very few people ever went to the spring game from a student perspective. I remember when when, when I was on campus. What are your thoughts? You know, we had we had Matt Transu on, and we want to really make this like a game like experience. Sure, if we can get 25,000, that'd be fantastic. Curious to hear your thoughts on the ground as a student, but also like, how can we get the students involved? How can we like raise awareness? How can we get folks to know like this is a thing that we were trying to do? And we've got recruits on there. We've got new head coaches there. We've got new players out there. I want them to feel the jam you love. Like what's the best way we can do that together? In my personal opinion, I think what's really cool about this new JMU team is it's completely different. New coaching staff, new schemes, new players. So I think if you advertise that correctly, and have how we have this whole new offense, basically this whole new defense. I think it would be really cool. Run some promos like that. I think that'll get people fired up. Show some Dylan Morris highlights. Get the people going. I I think that's I think that's the key. I don't know about y'all. Kind of going off of that, I think one of the big things too is that it almost feels like Chesney kind of has like this certain swagger to him that appeals to a lot of the students. I've seen the comments on Instagram <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are loving on Chesney. And I feel like he just has kind of like a, almost like an aura almost more than like Signetti did. So obviously with Signetti, there's like no attendance at the spring games. I've been to a couple and it was completely dead, but I feel like if you just kind of build around that swagger that Chesney has, I feel like a lot of students might get more invested. Put him on the poster front and center. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, I might be dating myself here, but like in terms of awareness, you know, I, I obviously like grew sort of the platform on Twitter and now X, like what's, what's the easiest way to like reach out to the students, right? Is it Instagram still? Is it TikTok? Like what, how, what's the best way for them to digest this type of information? I would say Instagram or Twitter is the best way to reach students. I mean, I, in class, there are a lot of guys on Twitter. So, uh, I would yeah. say Twitter is probably number one. If if I personally, if I need breaking news, I'm going to Twitter. Yeah, I would say awesome. TikTok is it's popular, but it's hard to like direct engagement because even if you follow someone, most people are just on their for you page. So I think if you want to really reach the students, stick to like Instagram and Twitter because if they follow you, those they'll go to the top of the feed. So what I'm hearing is I'm still hip, so this works. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you still got it. <laughs> Well, Johnny, I want to appreciate you reaching out to us. Um, and I've enjoyed kind of going back and forth over text the last couple of weeks. Um, I want to give a shout out real quick. I don't know if we've already done it, but your Instagram, Talking Sports JMU. Uh, great graphics package. Whoever's doing graphics for y'all is, is good. <laughs> um, and, and what's neat is and everyone listening, even, even alumni, you know, it, it's neat because you guys put the topics of kind of what was going to be discussed. Um, and I just, I think, you know, those opportunities are pretty neat. I, I, I love that this club exists. And so I guess the first question is going to be, you know, you, you said you started this club two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So do, do you have more? I mean, I, I, Johnny, I assume you're, are you graduating in May? Yeah. So I am graduating in May. I'll be walking, taking a couple summer classes and then Jackson will be taking over as president. Awesome. Um, so I'm kind of helping him transition. He'll, take his own path. And I think I'm very excited to see what he does with the club. So between, between Johnny and Jackson, between the two of you kind of, um, you know, what is kind of a dream scenario three, five years, 10 years down the road, what does this club look like and what are some opportunities that, you know, a group of guys getting together to uh, talk sports can have? Uh, so if I were to say like what I want the legacy to be, uh, I would say I would love to have, you know, 30, 40 people coming to meetings every night. I don't, it doesn't have to be this enormous room. Cause I do like the sort of cozy environment we have. I would love to get like trips, more trips to like maybe a wizards game or a commander's game. I think that would be really cool. Cause we did a nationals trip last year and it was an absolute blast. So getting those more consistently, uh, one year we had a Super Bowl watch party at Grafton, and that was awesome because it was this huge screen. And I would love to keep doing that, Jackson. I don't know what plans you have for the future, but I would a lot of that. I also agree with another thing I'd like to touch on more is try and get more guest speakers. Like my freshman year, we were fortunate enough to have a Zoom with Ben DiNucci. Uh, and then earlier this year, we were able to interview um, an XFL tight end and kind of ask him what this whole process has been like with the two merging leagues there. So really just try and just have more events outside of just meeting every Wednesday and stuff, try and get a little more diversified things to do for uh, the members and really just build, a, like Johnny said, a consistent 30, 40 people coming out each night. Obviously people have stuff going on. They can't come every time, but if we could get those numbers up consistently, that would be the ultimate goal. 
Well, I mean, uh, we, we can talk about this afterwards, but uh, I'm sure the four of us would love to help you guys in any way we can in terms of getting guests that can maybe come talk to your group over Zoom and stuff. So we'd be happy to do so. Um, the last question I want to have is, and this kind of goes not only to the episode tonight that we were talking about, JMU, postseason, men's basketball and all that stuff, but I, I saw that that was one of the uh, talking points of your uh, meeting this past week. So just love quick soundbite from each the three of you to kind of talk about your thoughts. Do you agree with what's been said? Do you have a different perspective? Uh, give me what you got. So I would say it's win the Sunbelt tourney. And that's, that's what we have to do is win the Sunbelt tourney. Uh, I agree. Obviously winning the Sunbelt tourney is the number one option, but um, as mentioned earlier on the uh, show, those bid stealers, I think, are going to be the biggest thing. Like Loyola could win the A-10. They just beat Dayton. Even Richmond or VCU could steal a bid from them. But I think that's one of the big things. Uh, even the conference schedule for JMU, that kind of hurt. Not getting to play Troy, that's a really big blow. Like playing Old Dominion two times, I get why they have to do it. But obviously you couldn't predict they were going to have a down year, but it really just hurt the schedule. Uh, and then ultimately, I think the best thing, if it's not going to be attorney birth, I think it's going to be a home NIT game against a power five team, possibly, because the atmosphere for that UVA game in 2021, that was electric. One of the best I've ever been a part of. And I feel like if a power five team was able to come to Harrisonburg, it would just generate so much electricity and just overall create a great atmosphere. Yeah, I think JMU showed earlier in the season they could hang with the big boys of college basketball. And I think if they were able to win the Sun Belt tournament, they could go on a little run. And I think that would just keep going on what's been a great year for this program. And I'm really hoping they can take down App State after two times failing and finally get over that hump. Well, I love it. And, I, and I'll be honest, just hearing you guys talk, uh, I wish this program, this, this club was around when I was in school. And so anyone who's listening – uh, we'll definitely push this out on our socials. We'd love to kind of push more people your way, but uh, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for taking time tonight. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. I really enjoyed it. Hey guys, I was going to ask you one more question before we, before we yeah. let you go. Is is when I was a student, one of the uh, ways that I you know had some fun on Saturday afternoon or whatever was to to play the NCAA college football game, uh, an early edition of it. Unfortunately, when I was playing it, I uh, couldn't play as JMU because they weren't in the game. Um, but now this summer. Current and future students are going to get to play JMU in EA College Sports, the, the game that comes out. Um, any buzz about that on campus? And what potential impact do you think it could have on um, students on a daily basis on campus who are you know playing online or playing with friends in a dorm room uh, or in an apartment somewhere around uh, Harrisonburg, being able to play as JMU? That That's just going to continue to push this brand uh, and give more opportunities for, for people to get connected to uh, what we all love in JMU football. Yeah, um, I can tell you just from when I've picked people's brains, everyone is super ecstatic to have JMU in NCAA, the new NCAA game. I'm super excited. I totally intend on making a JMU dynasty, and however many years it goes, it goes. Uh, so I think it'll be really good. And like you said, playing online, that'll give JMU that brand exposure. When you just play a team and maybe you're not familiar with it, you're going to look it up, learn more about that team. And I think that's huge for the school, not only for academics and sports. I think it's just huge everywhere. I'm really excited to have JMU in the new college football game. Yeah, I would agree, but not just a campus perspective. I've even seen on Twitter uh, 
a bunch of people saying like, oh, it's going to be crazy when I take JMU to a 10-year <laughs> championship <laughs> dynasty or something. And even that, just the fact that people are saying, oh, I'm picking JMU as soon as I get that game, that brand exposure has just been huge. And I think it's only going to elevate more when the new game comes out. Yeah, it'll be cool having the real players' names in the game. So you'll be able to have more exposure to who plays for JMU and just get a lot of those names out there. And hopefully that will help them in the future with just like general NIL deals and just brand recognition for some of our better players. Well, I just know that I'm either going to be buying a, probably a new controller or a new TV for the first time my quarterback you know, takes an NIL deal and transfers <laughs> to another program. So I can already tell the anchor is going to be fueling when I ha- when I lose my quarterback to, to somebody else in the country. But guys, <laughs> um, seriously, thank you for what you do. And, and this is great because we're guys just talking sports. You know, we're, we're, we're alumni and, and this is going to be another way that we can continue to have a a connection to campus, uh, connection to students. It doesn't feel like that long ago we were in your shoes. And uh, and to see the growth of, of student interest in this program uh, as alumni who come to games on a, on a very regular basis, um, I can tell you firsthand that when the student sections are packed, whether it's for football or basketball, um, that's when you know it's a big game. Uh, and that's also, you know, when you're going to have a, a great time as an alum, because I can tell you the difference uh, between when those stands are packed with students and when they're not, uh, it's really hard to overstate. You guys make the atmosphere um, that the games this year that, that were full with at App State and others, maybe in the outcomes weren't perfect, um, but those were some incredible atmospheres. And this year's class of students really showed up in a big way. You stayed at games longer, uh, and that has a direct impact on the field. So uh, to all the other people who talk sports in your club, uh, thanks for what you're doing to further this conversation. And as Taylor said, uh, we want to continue to make those connections with you and bring you more involved with the podcast uh, so we can continue to grow this brand and, and hope to, to stand shoulder to shoulder with you guys when you become alums. Uh, and as any alum of JMU says, if we can help you in any way, um, not just with sports, but in any aspect of your life going forward, the answer is going to be yes. So uh, go Dukes. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Get back to studying. (laughs) I know that's, as Michael said, times have changed, but that's what we want to Prioritizing like tests over club. What's going on here? Hey, hey, the academic profile of the schools improved. That's what you want to see, right? Um, Guys, great show tonight. Quick final thoughts from anybody. If you have something, uh, we'll start with you, Steve, your your final thoughts. Um, Get down to Pensacola if you can get there. Um, If you can't. Um, watch on television because this is going to be a historic run. I've got us beating App State by 11 at the championship game. So, your, your predictions have been good this year, so I like that. Uh, Taylor, your final thoughts. I just want to go back to what Bella Peterson said last week when she was talking about looking at Penn State uh, along with JMU. And, you know, she said, I, I knew JMU was good, but come on, it's Penn State. And what I think is so important about this season is that. JMU across the board is an athletic program. Every sport is bringing value to every other sport. And um, it's getting to the point of absurdity almost to where I can't even remember all the teams that have been ranked and I can't remember the teams that have made the NCAA. And right now we're into a spring sports season. I know softball had a little bit of a setback this weekend, but man, they are sneaky good. Um, They have a great pitching staff. Our baseball team, you know, the only losses they have are to the top number two team in the nation, and they've beat them. Lacrosse is doing incredible. We still have men's and women's basketball that are going to shock uh, the Sun Belt when they both come out as champions. So um, this is going to be, and this is going to end as one of the best, if not the greatest, sports season of all time. And I just think, from a recruiting perspective across all sports, it's no longer we're a football school, we're a basketball school, we're this, we're an everything school, and that, and I, we, we say that, you know kind of arrogantly and cocky sometimes, but I mean, it's true. And JMU has become an athletic program that is known for the investment and the competitive nature of our teams and not just 
one or two sports here that have had an off year or a, a good season. So I'm I'm excited where this season ends. I'm excited to go dancing for both of our basketball teams and uh, can't wait for JMU spring sports to go well into the postseason, or late spring, early summer. Awesome. Thanks, Taylor. Michael, your final thoughts. Yeah, I was going to say, just to add to that, you know, I go back to Jeff Bourne sort of analogy around sports being the front porch of the program or of the school and you know i'm sitting here in florida and i i see i've been watching basketball games at breweries and bars and they have jmu on the tv i see the lacrosse score go underneath on espn at a, at a at a restaurant um i have people on my team that are in california and, and utah at work asking oh man i saw jmu schedule like i didn't realize they were that good it's just the exposure is just what's the word here snowballing right and people are just coming out of the woodworks realizing the brand i've got jamie stickers over the car and i've had people come up be like oh like i see i see them all the time on espn like did you go to the school um just random interactions which has just been fantastic and i'm what 900 miles away from home <laughs> so it's just it's awesome to see it's exciting to be a part of it um and just keep this keep this party going go dukes awesome go dukes and and as uh one last uh, plug for what Matt Trance, who said, let's pack this spring game. Let's make this an event. There's no reason why uh, we can't enjoy Harrisonburg in the spring. It's, it's, I don't think there's a better time. Maybe the fall is amazing, but the spring in Harrisonburg, hard to beat. Uh, another opportunity to tailgate. Another opportunity to, again, show these new uh, JMU players who have, have signed on with this program uh, what this is like and what they're going to see in the fall, but also the recruits that are going to be on campus. We can have a big impact. Um, so as always, stay tuned to jmusports.com uh, for information. Uh, we want to say thank you to uh, the JMU communications staff for allowing us to talk to Matt Transu tonight. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity. We appreciate the access. Uh, it allows us to facilitate conversations like this. So thank you to Kevin Warner, Chris Brooks, Jeff Polgase. Uh, we appreciate it. Look forward to future conversations. Uh, one last shout out to our sponsors, the Montpelier Collective, uh, as well as Where's Woody and Skyline Finance partners and with that it's jamie sound off sunday night go dukes we hope to be talking to you next week after the dukes uh win their semifinal game or looking forward to a berth in the ncaa tournament with a finals appearance i uh, will talk to you next week jamie sound off go dukes